Hello and welcome to this latest installment of Barnards on the NBA. I'm your host, Matt Barnard, and I'm joined here by my son and co-host, Emilio. Hey, it's me, Emilio. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're joining you uh, on this episode to uh, return to our uh, classic format where we explore uh, the best players who uh, play in the NBA and ABA who attended various colleges and universities. In this one, we're going to be talking about Vanderbilt University in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Indeed we are. So uh, a bunch of players uh, who attended uh, who attended Nash attended excuse me uh, Vanderbilt who uh, played in the league, and uh, we're going to be talking about them. But before we do, let's uh, discuss the uh, the program just a little bit. Uh, these guys uh, play in the SEC and have uh, for quite a few uh, quite a few years now. A program founded uh, 130 years ago, so one of the early programs in uh, NCAA history. And in fact, uh, it's a little bit disputed, but. Uh, one of the uh, colleges that has a claim in for playing the first uh, college basketball game ever back on uh, February 7th, 1893. Yeah, they apparently beat the uh, Nashville YMCA, which I guess uh, counted as a college at that time, uh, nine to six uh, back in uh, early February. Well, you know, it's a different game back then. A yeah. uh, lot, lot less uh, developed than, uh, than the game uh, we know today, uh, over 100 years later. So uh, interesting uh, note about them. Uh, not a ton of, uh, of postseason success for Vanderbilt over the years, but they have seen uh, uh, so, some recent um, some recent good seasons. I mean, a, a bunch of years over uh, twenty wins under the uh, um, coaching of uh, Kevin Stallings, who was uh, one of their more successful uh, head coaches in, uh, in in school history, and they're currently being coached by uh, NBA great Jerry Stackhouse. I mean, they made it to the NIT quarterfinals last year. Yeah, so uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, nineteen and seventeen last year. I mean, I, I think uh, re rebounding from uh, from a down period, but the hope is uh, Jerry Stackhouse will be able to bring him back and, uh, and, and yeah, do something with this program. Exactly. All right, so uh, so let, let's get into it using our uh, our, our standard format here, where we uh, uh, get into these uh, teams and, uh, and and create an all time team, uh, starting with uh, with center, power forward, small forward, shooting guard, and point guard. And then pick a seven-man bench for a, a twelve-man all-time team roster for this Vanderbilt squad. All right. Without any further ado, let's get into it. Mills, who'd you have at center on this Vanderbilt all-time team? I had Clyde Lee. Um, so he, um, I think, it was a very tough call with the big man slots on this team. I went with him as my big man. It could have definitely could have slid them down to power forward, but somebody else who I thought I should put there. Um, one time All Star, maybe no, uh, a few other players I think have been All Stars. Just one other All Star actually from Vanderbilt, yeah. and we'll, we'll get to him uh, before too long. Um, third overall pick in the '66 draft, and um, one of the better players from this college, most minutes played. Yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, uh, certainly the best player, uh, you know, up until pretty recently from uh, from Vanderbilt. And, uh, and a really accomplished guy. I mean, uh, as you mentioned, uh, third overall pick in the, that 66 draft. And, uh, you know, old-time uh, big. I mean, a guy who uh, moved between center and power forward at, uh, at 6'10". And, yeah, I mean, got that got that all-star berth. I, I think he really made a, made a name for himself in college, uh, finishing as a, a consensus first-team All-American in 1966 and uh, two-time SEC Player of the Year. Yeah, that's and, uh, very impressive. 65 and 66. His uh, number 43 uh, retired at uh, at Vanderbilt, and I think uh, clearly, clearly uh, one of the class players to uh, have come out of uh, this school. Also uh, has worked on uh, Vanderbilt basketball radio for uh, for quite a few years. I'm not sure if that's ongoing or if that's something he did in the past, but uh, contributed in that way to this program as well. And, and he's number 43, retired. 
Yeah, yeah, I think I mentioned that, but yeah, no, his number 43 retired as well. Uh, worth mentioning, uh, made such an impression on the great uh, Adolf Rupp of, uh, of Kentucky that he meant, he said these words, you'd like to have him. He's a fine one. So, uh, you know, if, uh, if, if Coach Rupp is saying uh, you could play Kentucky, you're uh, pretty good. You're making, making a good impression out there. Yeah, and um, made a pretty good impression in the NBA. Yeah, let's talk just a little bit about his uh, statistical profile in the league. Yeah, um, he had one season where he had 13.9 rebounds, 11.9 points. So that was a great season. He had three seasons where he averaged a double-double. Dropped off a little bit after that, but still like played pretty solid. For his career, 10.3 boards, 7.7. Um, yeah, and I got, got to the finals uh, with the uh, with the Warriors. Uh, went up against Wilt there and and uh, and lost. But uh, I think a, a really representative NBA career, as as you mentioned, uh, some of the stats that uh, that we have on him because his career dates back into the '60s. Uh, you know, we don't have uh, uh, broken down rebounding stats or blocks or steals numbers, but uh, definitely a, a strong reputation from uh, from Clyde Lee. And uh, some impressive career highs as well. I mean, he got up to 30 rebounds in a game one time. Yeah, very impressive. And was clearly a pretty good rebounding guy. No question. And um, a member of the uh, Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame and uh, the Vanderbilt Athletics Hall of Fame as well. So a decorated player at Vanderbilt for sure. And uh, he made my team as well at the uh, the four. I went a different direction with my five. As you mentioned, there's uh, a couple of different choices you could have made at these spots. And I went with, uh, with Will Perdue. At, uh, at my starting center. Yes, I. This guy is on my bench. Almost put him in there because of his four-time championship with the Bulls. But his name was Will Vanderbilt. I mean, he must have had uh, quite a uh, connection with Vanderbilt. I would say. I mean, Nick- definitely uh, someone associated strongly with Vanderbilt during his college days. Yeah, for sure. And huh. um, even got the nickname on Basketball Reference for Vanderbilt. So if you're looking at nicknames, uh, I think I'm the only one to Vanderbilt. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, Will Purdue, a uh, guy who really made his uh, made his career as a uh, as, as a backup uh, big, uh, definitely a uh, center, big man for sure, as we like to say, uh, seven foot, uh, two forty, eleventh uh, overall pick in the uh, nineteen eighty eight NBA draft, and a guy who found himself in some good spots. I'll tell you. I mean, in his career, uh, you know, on the Jordan Bulls, I mean, winning championships. I mean, alongside, you know, you got to say it, uh, you know, Jordan himself, uh, Pippen as well. He'll show up later in this episode. And, uh, and with the Spurs, too. I mean, so, you know, go, going from the Bulls to the Spurs, actually traded for uh, Dennis Rodman. Wow. Straight yeah. up? Yeah, Bulls to Spurs. Actually, straight up? Let me let me check that. Uh, they were both involved in the deal. Uh, yeah, straight up. October 2nd, uh, 1995, traded for Dennis Rodman. So, um, yeah, that's pretty notable. Yeah, I would say. So, the Bulls got Will Purdue and Spurs got Rodman. No, the other, other way around, right? I mean, because uh, the direction that they were headed at that point in their oh, career. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, ob- obviously nowhere near a uh, career like Kind of uh, a bad like trade for the Spurs. Uh, yeah, I mean, getting Will Purdue for uh, Dennis Rodman. Yeah, I mean, Dennis Rodman obviously would uh, go off, as they say, with uh, with the Bulls. I mean, then uh, have a major impact with that squad. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a, a notable player, SEC Player of the Year, uh, Will Purdue as well in 1988. And uh, third-team All-American that year as well. So, uh, so some nice accolades for uh, Will Purdue over a, a long 792 regular season game career. Yeah. And 108 games in the playoffs as well, because as we mentioned, yeah. he found himself on some really good teams. Yeah, a lot of playoff um, games there. Um, also, average like four points for um, rebounds per game. So, like, kind of helps, actually. Yeah. 
Sure. I mean, not that much, but I mean, he did kind of fill it up. Yeah, I, I can see, uh, can see that assessment. All right. So let's uh, let's, let's keep it moving here. Uh, let's move on to your uh, power forward. Who'd you have there? I had Demi. I think I had Demary Demary Carroll. Um, this guy uh, played mostly power forward and small forward in his career. There was somebody else who I thought needed to be in at that um, small forward spot, but. Um, yeah, um, pretty good player, junkyard dog, Demary Carroll. Um, yeah, played for Missouri as well in college, um, but just recently retired. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, Demary Carroll. Uh, I had him as my uh, starting three on this uh, Vanderbilt all-time team. I can definitely see you having him at the four as well. Uh, definitely swung uh, across a bunch of different positions, and really became a uh, really valuable player uh, with the uh, with the Nets, especially, but with the Hawks too. Um, I mean, maybe the Hawks even more so than the Nets, but uh, yeah, I found himself as a starter uh, at 27 years old, uh, full-time starter with uh, some good Hawks teams, a guy who could uh, defend multiple positions, as we were saying, and could really go up against some of the better wing players in the Eastern Conference and in the NBA. I mean, the type of guy who you could throw uh, LeBron J- on LeBron James and uh, not have him completely embarrass himself. So, I mean, you need guys like that if you're going to be uh, competing at the high levels, especially in the uh, Eastern Conference uh, during the LeBron era. Yeah, for sure. And he certainly did that. Yeah, uh, 27th overall pick in the uh, 2009 NBA draft, as you mentioned, uh, attended Vanderbilt and Missouri. Actually uh, transferred to uh, Missouri after uh, his, I believe it's his uncle, uh, uh, Mike Anderson, took over as uh, as coach at, at Missouri, uh, which was a uh, surprise to uh, to many, but uh, you know had had some success at, uh, at Missouri as well. So a uh, guy who features in uh, might feature in the Missouri All Time Team as well. Yeah. Uh, so, and Did we it, do the Missouri All-Time Team? I don't think we've done them yet. I think that's uh, that's one of those that's hanging out there. Uh, reasonable threat from uh, beyond the long line, uh, 35.8% uh, three-point shooter in his career. And a guy who offered a little bit of everything. I mean, uh, you know, his career ultimately petering out, I think, uh, you know, the time where a lot of players do. I mean, age 33, injuries finally catching up to him. But a really nice run there from 2012-13 uh, to 27-2018. Uh, uh, where he started a whole bunch of games and really had a big impact. Beginning of his career, not as much, though. So. Yeah, definitely. It took a while to get going, without any question. But uh, Steam still uh, believed in him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, actually, uh, a guy who uh, apparently is uh, in need of a liver transplant, according to uh, to Wikipedia. Shout out Wikipedia. I was uh, uh, diagnosed with, uh, with liver disease uh, back before the uh, – 2009 NBA draft, but told uh, he might not need an operation for 20 years. So I uh, made it through his entire career uh, with that looming over him, which is, uh, you know, I mean, bullet dodged uh, for sure. Uh, ho- hopefully it won't, uh, you know, manifest in anything problematic for him down the line and he'll be able to uh, get the help that he needs when uh, the time comes. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So we got, uh, we got Damari Carroll there. He's uh, currently a uh, assistant coach on the Bucks, by the way, which is another interesting note about uh, Damari Carroll. When did he end his career? 2020. Yeah, just in uh, in the 2020, so just a couple of years ago. Actually, also uh, one of the few active players who was active at the time who was a guest on uh, my favorite podcast, uh, Dunktown. Hmm. Yeah, came on with uh, with Nate Duncan at one point. All right, so I had uh, Clyde Lee at the four. Let's uh, let's move on to your three mills. Who'd you have there? I had Jan Van Redekop. Yes, well pronounced by you. That's not the easiest name. Let's talk a little bit about this guy. 
Um, FBK, I thought he deserved a spot on this team over Will Perdue. Um, 6.2 points per game for his career. Um, 4.3 rebounds. Probably, in my opinion, a little bit better of a player. But he did play in the ABA, so ABA and NBA. So, um, had one season where he got over 10 points per game, but pretty good solid player. Yeah, definitely. As you mentioned, a bunch of his career in the ABA, 164 of his uh, 598 total games played in the in the ABA. A uh, guy was taken uh, in the uh, second round of the 1974 draft, a 20th overall to the Blazers. And um, guy has some uh, some lineage in the league. His dad, uh, Butch Van Bredikoff, also a uh, guy who played in the very early days of the, of the league uh, for the Knicks uh, back in the 40s. And um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Butch uh, Butch Van Bredikoff, and, and he, yeah, a guy who's gone on to uh, to be a uh, a successful coach as well, um, coaching at uh, Cornell, at Vanderbilt, uh, obviously the school we're talking about today, at Pepperdine, and at uh, St. Bonaventure, and really one of the more successful uh, Vanderbilt head coaches, going uh, 104 and 81 and making the NCAA tournament with uh, this team during the 90s. Yeah, so pretty impressive on the coaching front for him as well, and I would say third, fourth best player from Adam Vanderbilt? Uh, he's up there. I mean, he he, he, did, he was like the first guy off my bench, basically. But I, I, I agree that he uh, he definitely had some impact. I mean, look at his uh, statistical output. You know, not not overwhelming. I mean, didn't, didn't start a lot of games. Obviously, we, we don't have uh, complete data on uh, who started and who didn't um, for a lot of his career. But, uh, you know, 23 minutes a game thereabouts uh, during his run. 6.2 points per game. I mean, nothing really jumps out at you, I wouldn't say, other than maybe quality free throw shooter at 82%. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's uh, that's Jan Van Bredikoff. Uh, as I mentioned, first guy off my bench. I didn't make my uh, my team here, but I definitely uh, thought about him. Yeah. So I had uh, Damari Carroll at the three, and uh, let's move on to uh, to the two. I think we um, matched at the guard spots here. Not much debate over uh, who will be the one and two. At the um, two, I had Bob Warren, Bobby um, Colonel, and um, unfortunately passed away at the age of 68 in 2014, but um, still had a pretty good NBA career and out of Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean, he did. And uh, as you mentioned, I had Bob Warren as well, Bobby, um, a 6'5", 190-pound uh, shooting guard, so uh, the right position uh, for this spot on the team. And a guy who overcame being taken uh, with the 47th overall pick. That was the fourth round of the 68 NBA draft. And, um, yeah, I mean, this guy uh, this guy did work in the ABA, uh, 486 games. And, uh, you know, not, nothing really, you know, too outstanding to write home about when you look at his statistical profile and, uh, and, and look into him. I would say not a ton of information about him. But, um, you know, he, he got out there. I mean, uh, that's quite, quite a few games for a Vanderbilt player. Yeah, um, I've got to mention – one year or one like little stint there for nine games with the Dallas Chaparrals, mm. he didn't miss a three. That's pretty good. I mean, I think he only took one three, but that's uh, it, it's still pretty nice. Yeah, on a team there with um, some of the greats Rick, Rich Jones, Gene Phillips, Art Becker, Goo Kennedy. I mean, there's definitely some uh. Some quality players on that. Uh, Skeeter or something. 72-73 uh, Chaparral's squad. So I had Bob Warren as well. I, I got to say, for a guy who's making an all-time team, not a ton of information out there about uh, Bob Warren. Yeah, but um, 
one of the best players from uh, Vanderbilt. Yeah, I would say. So let, let, let's move on to a guy we have a little bit more to say about at the point. Who do you have there? Uh, Darius Garland, probably the best player from this team. He's definitely tracking that way. I mean, I think, you know, just it's obviously just there. a few years into his career, but uh, this guy's I remember put up like some two years ago, he wasn't that good of a player, but he's really stepped it up. Absolutely. I mean, no question. So, so look, let's just get into the full Darius Garland uh, treatment here. So he's a 6'1", 192 pound uh, guard, mostly plays uh, the point, but can play the shooting guard as well. And um, as you mentioned, really, uh, I mean, you know, take him with the fifth overall pick in the 2019 draft. Winston yeah, his dad, Winston Garland, uh, played in the league as well and, and actually had, you know, more than more than a cup of coffee in the league. I mean, uh, Winston Garland played 511 games. So, uh, you know, was uh, was a legit player in the league. And Darius, uh, he's a legit player in the league as well. I mean, you know. 21.4 take... so far this season. Current player, 18 points per game for his career. Um already played 217 games and of those 200 games he started 213 yeah i mean he's he's definitely i mean he came into the league with uh with a big time opportunity with the Cavs, and uh you know despite getting off to a slow start i mean you can look back at his uh, statistical line that first year i mean shooting 35 percent from three uh you know not not clear that he was going to necessarily be a better uh three-point shooter than that shooting just 40 percent from the field but then, whoa, I mean, you know, the, the next couple of years, I mean, he's just really built on that and uh, has become this, I mean, really frightening scorer, I would say, at this point. I mean, he's, he's a terror. Yeah, and um, an all-star last year, and he'll probably make it again this year, if I had to guess. Uh, yes, I would agree. He's uh, he's likely to make it this year. I mean, he's I guess he's in, this, in the backcourt now with... Uh, with Donovan Mitchell, but I mean that's uh, I mean, it's one of the best guard tandems uh, in the NBA for sure. Yeah, right now. Yeah, I mean they, they, he's he's been fantastic. I mean, and I think when you look at uh, at Darius Garland relative to other players who uh, who have got, who you know attended Vanderbilt, I mean his uh, you know minutes played per game average, his uh, points per game average. I mean he's he's blowing a lot of these guys out of the water. Assists per game as well. Nobody wait, go to points per game there. Nobody has even scored 10 points per game for their career, and he's at 18 right now. And assist per game in the lead by over three. Yeah, I mean, more than more than and, double. And he, he's leading Saban Lee. Yeah, of course. We'll, we'll get to Saban Lee. I mean, he's, uh, he's still to come here. But, yeah, 67th all-time already uh, on in, in terms of assist percentage. So this guy is really, uh, uh, you know, taking on a significant distribution load in addition to, uh, you know, becoming – you know, a really dangerous scorer. I mean, this year all the way up to uh, just below 40% from three on uh, six per game. So the volume is, uh, is, is is coming up. The uh, the percentages are coming up. Really good free throw shooter as well. Getting to the line almost five a game this year. So he's uh, he's really putting it together. And only 23 years old, too. Yeah, so um, playing really well. Yeah, Darius Garland going to make himself a lot of money in the league and uh, and, and looking to be, uh, you know, on, on the path to be the best player out of Vanderbilt, I would say. Yeah, and as Almost already the best player. Yeah, he's, he's pretty close. All right, so let, let's quickly run down uh, our starting lineups here, and then we'll uh, take a quick break and come back with our benches. All right. Um, I had center Clyde Lee, um, power forward Demary Demir Carroll, small forward Jan Van Redekoff, um shooting guard Bob Warren, and point guard Denise Garland. And I had uh, center Will Purdue, power forward Clyde Lee, Small forward Damari Carroll, shooting guard Bob Warren, and point guard Darius Garland. We'll be right back. And we're back to uh, talk about our uh, Vanderbilt all-time team bench. Uh, I had um, 
Jan Van Bredikoff on my bench and you had uh, Will Purdue. So let's get to uh, the next guy on our benches. I had Matt Maloney. Um, this guy, one of the better players off the bench here, also played at Penn. Um, didn't play too much in the league, played six years. Um, pretty solid for uh, Vanderbilt, though. Um, missed one year due to an injury with his hand. So really only played five years. But at the beginning of his career, pretty uh, pretty nice. Uh, 9.4 and then 8.6 points per game. So pretty good. Dropped off a little bit after that with 1.4 the next season, only playing 15 games that season. But uh, playing in the 90s, pretty solid. Yeah, definitely. And uh, made, made the all-rookie team in the 96-97 uh, season, despite being undrafted. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, that is pretty impressive. And actually, I remember Matt Maloney because, uh, you know, I was watching uh, opening night, 96-97, uh, the Rockets. I mean, this guy started opening night as an undrafted rookie, and it started every game that first season. Pretty impressive. And uh, did not really let the Rockets down. And his second season as well, I and mean, starting every game. I mean, so this guy, uh, 160 games into the league, uh, two years in, had started every one. Yeah, pretty impressive. Playing uh, big time minutes as well. Yeah, six foot three, 192 pound uh, point guard, and um, yeah, kind of notable. I mean, uh, began his career at, at Vanderbilt and then transferred to uh, Penn and played uh, three seasons at uh, Penn. And, and get this. He won Ivy League Player of the Year in 1995. It was first team all Ivy League, uh, 93, uh, 94, and 95. And uh, oh. his teams were 42-0 and 0 in the Ivy League when he was there. Wow. So he must have really carried that team. <laughs> and 69-14 and 14 overall, and they made three trips to the NCAA tournament in his three years there at Penn. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, so this guy was really, really making an impact in college. I would say. And, and then to get into an 11 Ivy League school, you need to be pretty smart, too. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, the, the, that, the season he was playing with the Rockets there in 96, 97, who was he playing with? Hakeem, Charles Barkley, and Clyde Drexler. And he's starting with those guys. Yeah, pretty impressive. So pretty cool for, uh, for Maloney, despite uh, not having a particularly long career. Obviously, injuries uh, uh, taking him out, and he, he didn't get started until he was uh, 25 years old in that uh, that first season of his. But uh, definitely a, a momentous career for Matt Maloney. Yeah, I would say. So he made my uh, squad as well. He was one of the more prominent uh, bench options here. Uh, let's get to uh, – I'll, I'll throw my next guy off the bench. Let's talk about Jeff Turner. Okay. Um, I don't believe I had this guy on my bench. Um, currently 60 years old. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty cool. I mean, so alive, alive and kicking. I mean, as you would hope, uh, at sixty years old, certainly. Yeah. So this guy was a a power forward, a small forward. I mean, could swing back and forth between those positions. Six nine, uh, two thirty, and was taken with the seventeenth uh, overall pick in the eighty four NBA draft. Obviously, I mean that eighty four draft, uh, very momentous uh, in, in league history. I mean, it was the year that, uh, of course, uh, the great Jordan came in. Uh, obviously, not quite a Jordan esque uh, character, but. Uh, 612 games from Jeff Turner in the league. Yeah, and uh, six points per game. Played in Italy for a few years. Um, not sure why I didn't have him on my bench. Just I don't think quite made it for me. Probably would have been one of the next guys off my bench. But um, yeah, 3.3 rebounds for his career and uh, 2.9 personal fouls. So a solid career. Absolutely, and uh, and notable for uh, for having worked on uh, television with the uh, with the Magic uh, post career as a uh, color man. 
and uh, studio analyst, and also for uh, having been a part of the uh, gold medal winning 1984 U.S. men's basketball team, coached by Bobby Knight. And uh, I mean, this guy played alongside Patrick Ewing, Wayman Tisdale, Chris Mullen, and Jordan on that team. So this guy's got a gold medal. Wow. Pretty cool for, uh, for Jeff Turner. I mean, yeah, I would that, that's an amazing uh, career. And from Maine. From Maine, born in Maine at least. I'm, I'm not sure if he grew up there or not. I certainly went to not high many school players born in Florida. Born in Maine, and the NBA. That is a fact. Only two. Yes, only two players ever born in Maine uh, to make the league. So uh, definitely notable in there. And Duncan Robinson. Yeah, actually, not, not bad. I mean, two guys who have definitely had NBA careers uh, for you know just two guys who have been uh, born there. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's keep moving here. Who do you have uh, next off your uh, bench on this Vanderbilt squad? I have. Charles Davis. Yeah, let's talk about Charles Davis. I had him on my bench as well. He, yeah, he um, played eight years in the league, which really I think stood out to me quite a bit um, because not many players off the bench here played that long in the league. Um, so played eight years in the league with some quality, uh, quality play. Uh. <laughs> Well, well said, succinctly said. Uh, uh, Charles Davis, you might know him as Charlie. Uh, Maybe. Common, common name for, uh, for Charles. No, just uh, a 6'7", 215-pound uh, uh, small forward, uh, taken with the 35th pick in the uh, 81 draft. And, uh, yeah, 415 games um, in your career uh, coming out of Vanderbilt is pretty good. I mean, breaking in with the, uh, with the Bullets in 81-82 uh, and lasting all the way until uh, playing with the uh, – with those bulls in uh, 8990. Yeah. Uh, I should mention uh, when, when you're talking about Charles Davis, this guy uh, back in uh, 2006, I don't know if you knew about this, came across it in your uh, in your research, recipient of a uh, NCAA Silver Anniversary Award. Okay. Well, a Silver Anniversary Award, I mean, I'm glad you asked. Uh, the NCAA every year since, uh, I believe, 1986, maybe a little bit before that. Uh, excuse me, 1973, the, the number was expanded in 1986. They've been giving out uh, each year uh, six, they've been honoring six players uh, 25 years after the conclusion of their uh, college athletic career with a, um, a silver anniversary award. And uh, Charles Davis uh, took one of those down. And I mean, if you're going to take down a uh, NCAA silver anniversary award, you you got to be pretty good. I would say. Um, I won't. So like you're telling me, if some somebody who would make it now would be like someone who who like stopped playing college ball twenty five years ago, so for instance, so like somebody like so like like Tim Duncan uh, got it in twenty twenty two as as an example. So did Warwick Dunn, you know Matthew Humphreys. Wait, so are they getting it for their college career? They're being honored for their college career twenty five years after the fact, and that happened. To Charles Davis in 2006. He was honored alongside uh, Danny Ainge, another guy we've talked about on this podcast, and Val Ackerman, who would go on to become the president of the WNBA. That's cool. Mike Singletary as well, the uh, Hall of Fame uh, football player. Oh, so this is all college, not just basketball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. So, I mean, it, Pretty impressive. it could qualify from different sports. Absolutely. It is impressive. I mean, uh, no, no joke. I mean, Charles Davis, uh, that, that's part Wait, of his uh, career accolades. Is Michael Singletary related to um, Devin? I don't think so, 
but uh, that's possible. It's you know not that uncommon of a of a last name. Yeah. So anyway, right. uh, that's uh, notable about uh, about Charles Davis. Uh, I don't know that I have too much more on uh, on him, but definitely one of the guys who played uh, one of the longer careers from uh, from Vanderbilt for sure, and definitely made my bench on Maybe that basis there. as well. Eight years, some quality play. <laughs> eight, eight years, and you're going to be in. Uh, from Vanderbilt at this time, but who knows what might happen uh, in the future? Maybe no, some no, other Vanderbilt guys. Be best player. Yeah. Um, all right. So let, let's keep moving here. Uh, who, who else did you have on your bench on this squad? I had Charles Davis as well, as I said. I had Damian Jones. Yeah. So this guy, uh, an active player. Yes, he sure is, and um, pretty good. Um, for somebody out of Vanderbilt, been playing in the league for six years, a two-time NBA champ um, with the uh, Warriors and then the Lakers. Probably didn't play that much on those teams, um, but had a few good seasons there with the uh, – or no, not with the Lakers, um, just the Warriors twice. But, um, yeah, had a few good seasons. Last year averaging 8.1 points per game, 5.4 for his career, and uh, still – could bring some more to the league. Yeah, definitely a backup big. He made my squad as well. It's just hard to keep. I mean, there's a couple of these guys on uh, this Vanderbilt team, uh, you know, reserve bigs, Will Purdue type. Um, you know, Damian Jones, we're going to get to another one as well. I mean, you know, re- reserve bigs who uh, were on championship teams. And, uh, you know, you, you got to give them credit for uh, playing the role that they did on those championship squads. Although uh, Damian Jones, it must be said, played a b- bit less of a role than, uh, than likes of Will Purdue. In the playoffs uh, for those Warriors teams, uh, you know, didn't really factor in too much. Yeah, not much. But um, if they didn't have him, uh, you never know if they would have won. He could have brought something on the bench. You never know. That that is possible. Maybe some sort of intangible quality that uh, Damian Jones possesses. Uh, yeah, he just got into uh, twelve games for a total of uh, well, just uh, an average of three point three minutes uh, per game uh, during his uh, playoff run with those Warriors teams. But yes, two titles for uh, for Damian Jones. And he's 27 years old, so I, I got, yeah, I mean, he could still do something. I mean, uh, you know, stands out to me about Damian Jones is his uh, field goal percentage. An extremely efficient uh, player, doesn't take shots that he can't make, and uh, he's rocking a uh, almost 66% field goal percentage for his career as a result. Yeah. So that uh, number that really jumps off the page, 218 games into his NBA career at this time, and uh, yeah, I mean, he might have a little more life left in him. Yeah, for sure. All right. I remember watching a game of him last season, which was probably his best season in the league, where he played really well. Yeah, so he's he's capable of it. I mean, he's definitely had some good games. All right, let's let's keep moving here. Uh, I'll go to the next guy off my bench, which is another current player, Luke Cornett. Yes, Luke Cornett, um, the Green Cornett, um, probably because he plays on the Celtics. I don't know why, but. Um, He's only played on Celtics for two se- or three seasons. I guess a reference to the superhero, the Green Hornet. Oh, oh, oh. he has played in a bunch of green teams, though, uh, Bucks and Celtics. Yeah, good point. Um, but also has played on the Bulls, Knicks, and Cavs, and uh, five point one points per game for his career, and pretty much a lock on this team, honestly. Like plays in the current era, so that's pretty impressive, and um, pretty solid backup big. Yeah, definitely. He's, he's seven foot two. I mean, two hundred fifty pounds. So, I mean, I think the tallest guy we're going to talk about on this show, his dad, uh, Frank Cornett, also played in the league. Uh, probably won't get into him as much, but he went to Vanderbilt as well. So, uh, definitely a, a family connection. Um, 
And I, I was really shocked, honestly, to see that at age 27, he's now played 186 games in the league. Only? I, I thought it'd be less, honestly. I, I mean, I feel like he's been kicking around on the fringes of the league for, for a while, but I mean, it's been long enough. I mean, it's since 2017, 2018 that he's accumulated 186 games. And I feel like he's now in as stable a position as he's been in as a uh, backup big. I thought he played a lot more than that. Interesting. Interesting. And obviously on a really good team right now with the Celtics. I mean, he could get himself a, a title. I mean, uh, yeah. a, a ring on the squad that he's on I mean, right best now. Player, best team in the league right now. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I thought it was notable about him as well. I did not realize this about him either. I knew he could shoot it a little bit. I mean, this guy's, you know, the 32.6% three-point shooter for his career. He actually had the record, at least at the time that he uh, left school, for the uh, the most threes made by a seven-foot-plus uh, player with 150 in his career. In high school, in, in college, college. He made yeah, 153. Yeah. How many has he made in the league? Uh, 147. Yeah. So I mean, he's clearly willing to pop it from out there. Yeah. And and get this, his career high in uh, three pointers in a game, seven. Wow. He went seven for eleven in a game once. So I mean, he he definitely could pop it. Yeah, and he's taken thirteen in the game before. Yeah. So uh, definitely, definitely looking for it from out there, and uh, definitely, I mean, just a, a better three point shooter than I appreciated. Sure. So, as I mentioned, he was on my bench. I know he was on your bench as well. Let's get to uh, another guy off your bench. Okay. Um, the last – or I have two more guys off my bench. Um, you only have one. Uh, John Amici. Um, this guy played at Vanderbilt and Penn State. Um, another guy who played in two colleges. Um he, he played in um, four other countries, uh, Greece, France, United Kingdom, and Italy. Um, one season that really stood out to me, uh, 10.5 points, um, not this, many players. This was the Magic in 99-2000. Uh, yeah. Not many players in this range of the team played that well in one season. Um, but 6.2 for his career and uh, 294 games in the league and uh, 93 starts. So, um Solid career for John Mitchell. Yeah, agreed. I mean, an undrafted player, I mean, who got uh, 294 regular season games in the league. I mean, that's a great accomplishment. As you mentioned, played a bunch overseas as well. And uh, will always be notable, I think, in NBA history for uh, having been the first uh, former player to uh, come out as gay. I mean, in uh, in, in his book in uh, 2007. So really a trailblazer and, and a guy who, uh, you know, paved the way for uh, other players who have uh, come after him and, you know, in basketball, but in other sports as well. So definitely a, an, an important figure in uh, in the sport mm-hmm, for and, sure. and in the sporting world. So uh, you know, a very very notable guy in that regard, and uh, someone who has uh, some real ties to uh, to British basketball as well. In fact, he uh, represented the uh, British uh, English national team in um, men's basketball in the Commonwealth Games in uh, 2006 in Melbourne. And fun fact: he was born in Boston, Massachusetts. Well said. Yes, indeed. And uh, a guy who's uh, still active in uh, in the business world uh, today and, and has certainly uh, still, still got some uh, some profile, uh, I think, coming off of his uh, revelation about his sexuality back in uh, in, in 2007. So uh, mm-hmm. has continued to run with that and is still a notable figure out in the world uh, around basketball and uh, and beyond. Yeah. So he uh, got serious consideration from me, did not make my team. Uh, but you know who did? Festus Azili. Yes. Um, this guy did not start playing basketball until he was 15. Um, 
So pretty impressive that he made it to the league. The reason I didn't put him on his team is because of his injuries. Um, had a lot of injuries in his career that kind of um, threw him off. Yeah, basically 20, 20, um, 12, 2013, he played whole season. Next year, he was out with a knee injury. Then played the next two seasons in 14, 15, and 15, 16. And then was injured for the next four years and then didn't play. Um, and then played in the G League in Nigeria. So just didn't play that much in the league. Yeah, absolutely. 170 regular season games. Actually, I mean, when you got to factor in his, uh, his his playoff run, too, because he got 55 games in. He was on those Warriors teams that made some deep playoff runs. Yeah, got a ring. And, and yeah, I mean, it was part of, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I remember him being a significant part of, of playoff rotations. I mean, despite uh, him not playing a ton overall. So definitely felt like a more important player. And I don't know. I feel, I feel like for a guy who only played, uh, who played as few games as he did, actually was kind of an important player, despite being just a backup big. Yeah, and as you mentioned uh, in, in passing, there. I mean, he's a six foot eleven, uh, two hundred fifty five pounds uh, from Nigeria originally. Uh, made his way to the U.S., but um, yeah, I mean, fifteen years old, 14, 15 years old before he even started like, like learning Embiid. basketball. It's just incredible. Yeah, and I mean, I think Joel Embiid did that too, or something. Similar story. Yeah, I mean, there there are a few like this. I mean, Patrick Ewing, I know, I know picked it up really late too. And look at like Joel Embiid, Patrick Ewing, like these guys are healthy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it can be done for, you know, people who, uh, you know, are really special, right? I mean, you know, and, and he's, uh, I mean, Festus Azili is one of those guys. I mean, you know, you think about when he first, uh, yeah, I mean, how long it was between just like picking up a ball, you know, and getting going for, you know, for the first time to like actually being in the league. It's pretty nuts. Like eight years. Yeah, uh, an incredible rise, but unfortunately not a lot of staying power from uh, Festus Azili, but yeah, he was the last guy off my bench. All right, let's get to uh, last guy off your bench. John Jenkins. Um, this guy, pretty, um, just like solid kind of. Um, played for six years in the league, five points per game in those seasons. And um, just kind of like a, a good backup, I would say. Yeah, I mean, probably okay, backup. we're hoping for a little bit more from him. A six foot four, 215 pound guard. Uh, mostly a shooting guard uh, taken in the uh, 2012 NBA draft by the Hawks with the uh, 23rd pick. Uh, Tennessee guy, um, as we, we've mentioned, uh, Vanderbilt based in, uh, in in Nashville. And a guy who um, is currently still uh, connected to the league as a member of the uh, G League Ignite. Yeah. One of the uh, veterans on that squad playing alongside the likes of uh, Scoot Henderson. And, uh, you know, providing, yeah, I mean, providing the structure for uh, some of the young guys coming up uh, through that program. So. An interesting run for uh, John Jenkins, taking him uh, all over the world to uh, play in different places. And, uh, yeah, taking him back to the U.S. and uh, playing in the G League. Yeah, so um, another guy who made it off my bench. And I think that's our whole bench. Uh, yeah, two-time uh, Tennessee Mr. Basketball from uh, uh, John Jenkins as well. So uh, a very notable player at, at that level. All right, so let's uh, let's take another quick break, and we'll be back in uh, just a moment to uh, wrap up the episode with a couple more notable players from Vanderbilt. Now we're back to talk about a couple more Vanderbilt attendees. Uh, let's talk. Let's start by talking about uh, Saban Lee. Yes, yeah, so a current player, I believe, on the Pistons still. He's actually on the Suns. He's on a ten day right now. Um, Saban Lee, yes, um, was a thirty eighth overall pick um, in twenty twenty. 
Um, not bad, honestly. Um, uh, only played a few years in the league right now with the Suns. Um, played three games for them. Is averaging 10 points per game. Yeah, so obviously just going to go in with the Suns, as I mentioned, he's on a 10-day, so still in a kind of transitional period right now. And I think he's one of these guys who's like right on the cusp of uh, being in the league or out. I mean, he's, you know, had, uh, you know, some decent run with the Pistons the last two seasons, playing 85 games, uh, getting a couple of starts in and, and averaging uh, a little over 16 minutes per game during that time. I don't know that he really showed enough to uh, demand a, a spot in the league there, but again, he's only 23 right now, so still getting his feet wet. And uh, we'll see what he has uh, to offer. I mean, he was taken with the uh, 38th pick in the 2020 draft. And, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see where his journey takes him from here. I mean, maybe he sticks with the Suns the rest of the season. I know they're dealing with uh, with campaign being out right now. And, uh, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for him to stick around there. But um, yeah. we will. Uh, Hopefully have him Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, you know, you, you got you to gotta be pulling for, uh, for these guys. Actually related to uh, Trent Forrest as well, a cousin of his. Trent Forrest, the guy who also is, you know, kind of kicking around on the fringes of uh, of the NBA at the moment. Yeah, another leap out of uh, Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean, I, I know it might be some confusion, but I, he's, uh, as far as I can tell, not related to uh, Clyde Lee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of Lees out there. That's true. There are uh, pl- plenty, plenty of Lees. Uh, it's fair to say. All right, so let's also talk about Aaron Neesmith. This is another active player. Yeah, Aaron Neesmith. Uh, Aaron Neesmith. Um, so, yeah, he was on the Celtics for a few years now on the Pacers and actually playing pretty well for them. He has pretty notable dunk this season um, with the Pacers. Talk about it. So he was, like, on the baseline, and he, like, kind of drove and just, like, dunked all over this guy. I don't, I'm not sure who he was. But um, averaging 9.5 points per game this season for them. And uh, that trade from um, the Celtics to the uh, Pacers, I think, was helpful for him. Yeah, so he was part of the Malcolm Brogdon trade, uh, part of the trade that brought Brogdon to the Celtics. And, uh, yeah, another one of these guys who wants to see where it goes from here. I mean, he's six foot five, 215 pounds, can shoot it. I mean, the, the idea is he's a wing player. And, you know, I think if the shots drop for him, uh, he's going to be in business. And if they don't, then, uh, you know, we'll see how long he sticks around. But it definitely has been getting some opportunities this year with the uh, Pacers. Yeah, so I think that's some potential in the league. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you look at his uh, his three point shooting to this point, uh, just under thirty three percent for his career. That's probably not going to do it, but he's going to need to uh, need to improve upon that a little bit. And uh, you know, maybe he's got an opportunity to do that. He's still only twenty three. Yeah. So um, we'll see where um, his journey takes him. Indeed, uh, indeed, we shall. All right. Let's uh, let's also talk about. Uh, Matt Ryan, this is another player who's uh, currently in the league uh, on his second team right now of the season, began the year with the uh, with the Lakers, and also a guy who uh, featured with the Celtics uh, previously. Yeah, um, played at three colleges, actually, Notre Dame, Vanderbilt, and Chattanooga. Um, pretty, uh, I, I remember, I think he's a good shooter. Yes, that's what um, he's known for. And, um, yeah, only played, a, like, a few only played 25 games in the league, but uh, 3.5 points per game. and um, 24 of those have been the season, too. So, I mean, really, just one game prior to this year. Yeah, so um, maybe maybe um, can find a place for himself in the league. Yeah, six foot seven, uh, 215 pounder who can uh, who can shoot it. So, I mean, you know, similar to, uh, you know, uh, Dr. 55, uh, Duncan Robinson type. I mean, it's really all about are the shots falling or not. Yeah. For, uh, for a Matt Ryan type and uh, currently with uh, – 
with the T-Wolves after, as I mentioned, beginning of the year with the, uh, with the Lakers. So we'll have to see uh, where things go with, uh, with Matt Ryan. Yeah. Let's also mention the other active player who, uh, who attended Vanderbilt. That's uh, Scotty Pippen Jr. Yes. Um, the son of um, Scotty Pippen. Oh, I was going to ask you that as a trivia question. The son of Scotty Pippen and uh, Kevon Pippen, his cousin, not at playing in the league, though, but on basketball reference. Um, pretty, uh, this is his first season, 2.2 points per game for the Lakers. So uh, just getting started, and we'll see how he does in his career. Yeah, had a nice run at Vanderbilt, and uh, and now just getting going. Obviously, uh, not a, not a priority guy for uh, for the Lakers. Um, you know, not drafted, but uh, but he's he's caught on, and we'll we'll see if he can uh, if he can you know find some staying power. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully uh, is right. All right. I also wanted to talk about uh, Derek uh, Derek Byers before we uh, before we leave. I know sometimes we like to uh, highlight some of these guys who just got a, a little taste. This guy taken with the forty uh, second overall pick in the two thousand seven NBA draft and um, played at uh, Virginia and Vanderbilt. A uh, six foot seven, two hundred twenty pound power forward. Back when that was uh, something you could do, and uh, yeah, just two games, but uh, but made an impact in those two games. Yeah, five points per game in those two games and eighteen point five minutes. So. Um... Maybe she just stuck around for a bit longer. Yeah, absolutely, and I, you know, I think it's worth noting he uh, he was a really good high school student, uh, according to his Wikipedia. According to his Wikipedia page, a three point nine GPA. That's uh, almost perfect. What's perfect? Four Pretty good. Yeah, impressive stuff out of uh, Derek Byers there. All right, is there anyone else uh, we want to get to on this episode? I think we're uh, we, we've just about exhausted the uh, the players and the time we have for uh, for right now. Yeah, probably. But we should mention the stadium. Yes, indeed. So let, let's let's talk about that. Vanderbilt uh, has a very unusual uh, home court situation. You, uh, Mills, you want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, it's going to be a little bit hard to explain, but you should look it up after you finish listening to this so you can actually get a visual on it. But basically, there's like four sections of the stands, and it's not like a round-shaped stands. It's like there's like four sections and they're like split off by like big like things in like the stands. And the court is also elevated and the benches are on the baselines instead of um, on the sides. Yeah. said to be the only, uh, the only D one school that has uh, that arrangement where the, uh, the benches are on the baselines and it does create a very unusual uh, visual experience. If you're uh, watching the game on TV, you have like way more space on the sidelines than you're used to seeing. And obviously, the players are in a in you know a, a, frankly a weird spot. I mean, you're not expecting to see players there. I'm sure players uh, have a, an odd experience uh, being in the building there, uh, viewing the game from a different angle. And I, I know you just had an experience recently where you were where you had your bench on the uh, baseline in one of your games. Yeah, it was a very weird court. Yeah, so that's uh, that's that's just part of the part of the deal at, uh, at Vanderbilt. So, some interesting uh, quirks about this school, uh, you know, the, to distinguish it from uh, from others. Yeah, uh, I think that'll wrap up this episode. Um, make sure to check out um, Favorites with Ava and Matt. And, uh, yeah. yeah, we'll get another episode out before too long. And uh, I've forgotten this the last couple of episodes, but uh, you can reach out to us if you wish at uh, Barnards on the NBA at gmail.com if you have any uh, notes for us or uh, you know, want to let us know if you're uh, enjoying the content. Uh, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us, and we'll, uh, we'll be back with another episode next week. Bye.